To ever. be honest, we looked all around Perth. I'm not going to say we didn't, but when then we thought, nah, we're sticking with the Swan Valley. Yeah, right. And we don't want to leave. We ain't leaving. Yeah. I'm not fucking leaving. <laughs> Welcome to the Perth Business Podcast, where we chat with thought leaders in the Perth business community and share insights into the people behind the brands. I'm Kyle. I'm Taryn. And I'm Jake. Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of the Perth Business Podcast, where Jake and Taryn spoke with Martin from Funk Cider. Martin is one of the co-founders of the company and first started with a juice company. In the episode, Jake, Taryn and Martin all talk about the importance of branding how a team can make or break you. So without further ado, here's the show. Are you from yeah. Perth? Uh, no, not originally from 2J. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Oh, not even 2J. Originally from a little locality called Watning, but we say 2J because that's the closest <laughs> yeah, big yeah. town to it. <laughs> There's also Bulgart, which is a tiny little town about five minutes away, but doesn't have a very sexy name, so I always say 2J. <laughs> 2J, is. Uh, but a farm boy originally. Still got our family farm. Oh, cool. Uh yeah, it's it's about twenty minutes north of Tuja, yeah, on the on the sort of the start of the wheat belt, mm. and we're we've been just pretty passionate about farming and agriculture and primary produce and stuff our whole lives. So, mm. yeah. yeah right. Did it start out there? there then, or? Uh, long story. We start <laughs> off with the cold press juice company. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Michael Brothers Juice, which I showed you during that tour. Yeah. Uh, how did we get into it? We had a really cool orange tree. At our, at our family farm and it just happened to be right next to a uh, septic system a leech drain that we never realised and so it was probably tapping into that <laughs> yeah, yeah. sucking up the juices it was sucking mm. up the juices and uh, just giving the oranges uh, a lot more flavour <laughs> than you usually expect and we used to juice it and think this is pretty cool why can't we or why isn't there I guess other products on the market like that why don't they have so much flavour and we realised that most of the stuff on supermarket shelves etc etc was uh, pasteurised or mm or had preserves in or whatever it was or made from re, like reconstituted stuff and we literally couldn't find anything as good so we thought why don't we give it a go and we started making just orange juice at our farm yeah. how um, old were you? I was that was 2012 so I was 20 yeah yeah um, and yeah started with orange juice we were there for nine months and then we moved down to here in 2013 I think yeah, yeah right. that's pretty that's quick. Pretty, that's quick. Then we started doing lots of apple juice and pineapple juice and green yeah. juices and stuff. Mm. And and then we hit 2016 and we because we moved into an old winery, we thought, hey, what the heck, why don't we May as well. make cider? <laughs> yeah. um, not wine, because obviously wine's been done, done pretty well mm. for a while and pretty saturated. And cider was just an obvious choice, really. Yeah, yeah. No cider was in the valley. The license was there to be able to make cider. We had all the mm. juicing machines to do it. Interesting. No we just really wanted to come in and make cider as vibrant, I guess, as we sort of made our cold-pressed juices compared to what mm. was out there in the market. So, yeah. yeah, we thought, why don't we do flavoured ciders and, and really just sort of push the boundaries of what cider can be. Yeah, absolutely. Rather than it just being apple and pear and, mm. and traditional scrumpy and that sort of stuff, we thought, I don't know, that we could make cider ex- as exciting as craft beer. Yeah, yeah. And we do pretty it's well. Definitely, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, like, yeah, yeah, very sessionable, very like, uh, very new world. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Like fruit forward, yeah. nice sort of fruit acidity, 
um, just something that's easy to drink all day rather than something that you mm. only have a glass of when you and you're sick of it, which is typical of the uh, yeah. traditional sort of English style ciders. So mm-hmm. yeah, I feel like after yeah. a couple of ciders, your teeth start to hurt a little bit, and you're like, "Oh, this is far too sweet." But yeah, already. So some of our <laughs> ciders, like technically, are like from a gravity point of view, which is how you measure your sugars, like sweet. But obviously, that's that's not sugar, sugar. That's fructose and whatever's mm. in yeah. in fruits naturally. We don't pasteurise it, so those sugars are still pretty complex. And because we don't pasteurise, we have those beautiful, nice fruit acids like malic acid, malic acid and that, particularly from Granny Smith's, mm-hmm. that shines through mm. and just really gives a perceived dryness right. and freshness um, to sort of counteract that yeah, yeah. that natural sweetness. Yeah. So, like you do, you do a lot of fruity flavours. So, I think on the weekend I had the passion fruit one, we tried the pineapple one, but then you've got some wicked flavours, so obviously the gin cider but also mm. like the sex machine that was really yeah. that, so tasty um, my mum never forgave me when yeah, I, I with the name for that it took a few you. months of, uh, <laughs> of uh, some harsh verbal beatings and then, and then eventually she sort of she just gave up got over it, <laughs> gave up that's yeah. the one did you yeah. taste it she's like alright mum <laughs> uh, hasn't been drinking for a couple of years but I think she did initially and she probably thought oh well that probably does taste yeah you're right, right. your <laughs> sex machine might yeah, taste yeah. like <laughs> no, I don't to describe it yeah. uh, a bit of an interesting name choice I did come up with it we, we took just an ordinary sort of pink lady apple cider mm-hmm. which was nice but in my opinion maybe a little bit sweet and we thought well how are we going to balance that sweetness out and so we put it in some french oak barrels and i just for some reason in my head thought that that made the cider sexy so we called it the sex machine and uh people buy it just for the name which is pretty cool (laughs) (laughs) but then usually they taste it and they go that tastes pretty good as well yeah yeah buy for the name and they're like oh it actually is pretty it's actually pretty tasty that's the number one like saying that i've heard people say when they come to the bar and they order the sex machine they go oh that that cider's named after me or i'm dead sexy look at my sexy body i hear it Many, many times. It's um, a good little uh, marketing trick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let's, let's pop it there and silk it's, uh, with it. It's not very original anymore, but <laughs> I still do enjoy it. Yeah. Ah, yeah. <laughs> it's getting An- old. Another good. girl came up to the bar, I think it was like the very first weekend when we opened back in 2016. Just used to be open on weekends. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she took one sip of the passion fruit cider and she was like, that tastes like there's a party in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Until this day, I still haven't had a, a better comment Ooh. than that on, right. on any of our ciders, I reckon. Yeah, nice. We should put it on the can. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> you did it right. It right itself. Yeah. No, that's pretty sick. Some good feedback. Do you find you attract a lot of different like demographics as well? Not just because of the names, but I suppose like um, <clears throat> the vibrancy of the location. You've got the secret little hideaway beer hall. Um, but you've also got like a nice garden vibe outside and then you've got the internal sort of seating area. What yeah, kind of people you, do you attract? You get a bit of everyone during the weeks, mm. uh, during the week I should say. You get tourists and stuff, obviously a lot more when the um, borders are open and that than there mm. is now. A few locals sort of more during the week and then the weekends you'll get Saturdays pretty sort of bus heavy, people doing wine tours and, yeah. and parties and just people generally sort of. Um, getting around the valley. Sundays is then less buses and, and more for sort of family friendly yeah, yeah, yeah. and more sort of food heavy. And then it changes again when it's school holidays and that you'll have more families and stuff during the weekend, the weekends. But we're obviously here sort of geared up more sort of for like big, 
big groups and parties and lots of drinks and that sort of stuff. But our new venue in uh, Henley Brook will be more focused on yeah, yeah. food and really matching the Families. food quite well. We've got a pretty small kitchen here, so we sort of struggle to keep up. A bit limited to what we can do. Yeah. Matching the food directly with the flavours of the ciders and mm. whatever other drinks we do. So that's That'd really be cool. cool. I haven't seen that being done. Capacity before. won't be as big, but a bigger area. Eventually we'll get the capacity up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And uh, just much more mm. craft focused. Yeah, and yeah, much right. more creative. I feel like the Henley Brook, um, or whatever, the Hens. Yeah, the Henley Brook, they did that quite well. So they started with like their beers, but now you go there for the food as well and you yeah. accompany it with the yeah. beers and they've got their little wood fire oven. So mm. why, um, like, do you see yourself staying in the Swan Valley for To ever? be honest, we looked all around Perth. Uh, at one stage, we just leased this place. We've always wanted to have our own space to have a bit of fresh air and a bit of peace and quiet. It gets pretty tight in this complex with all the other businesses and stuff going on. But, oh, look, we're, we're country boys originally. Mm. The Swan Valley is semi-rural, so it's a bit yeah. of a midway between the city and, and the bush. Yeah, so yeah. we did look around. I'm not going to say we didn't, but then we thought, no, nah, we're sticking with the Swan Valley. Yeah, right. And we don't want to leave. Yeah, it's an yeah. iconic area. It suits our brand. It's got a lot of history and soul, which you're just not going to find anywhere else in Perth. And that sort of resonated a fair bit with us recently, so we don't want to... We ain't leaving. Yeah. <laughs> Chain us to it. <laughs> I like that. Uh, Sick. <laughs> How do you guys deal with, like, the the party buses and all that kind of stuff? Because obviously I've been a part of many, but I've never seen it from, like, a business point of view. Like, do you... Like when people arrive, you're like, "Fuck, here we go again!" Like, let's get ready. Or, oh, look, unusual story. Ninety nine percent of them are well behaved. It's just the minority yeah, right. that sometimes just um, takes one. Yeah, one that's person. right. And it's the people that you sort of least expect sometimes. Oh. There's certain like we don't, we try not to take certain types of buses and certain parties. I won't mention who directly mm. at certain times of the day, mm. later on in the day, that sort of stuff. Mm. You can sort of pick and choose a little bit and filter them. To, to sort of make sure that they're behaved yeah, well right. but 99% of people are good yeah, yeah. and unfortunately every now and then someone spoils it for everyone but I think you find that at most places everywhere yeah. really yeah. going back to your like beginning story you came from the farm but how do you how does one just decide to start a cidery like was there mentorship did you have to do like did you have to sell it in to people to get some investment? How was the process? There probably should have been a bit of mentorship and a bit of, a bit more uh, <laughs> guidance from people with the experience. But ninety percent of the time, I have no idea what the fuck I'm talking about. Oh, that probably makes us unique in what we do as well because we've never really read a rule book. Mm. Never had to be told that this is how it's done. We've had a few people in other businesses and other parts of the industry say you can't do unpasteurised and preserved free. We found a way. Yeah. We always find a way. There is a way. You just got to really think about it. Everyone's got a slightly different approach to to how you make wine, how you make mm. cider, how you make beer, and we just try not to put any limits on what we do. Basically, I guess if you can't physically stick it in the keg or the can, then you can't do it. But apart from that, we do everything. Yeah. Um, but look, we haven't done a wine making course. None of us have, which is the usual sort of right. Oh, commercial way of becoming a cider maker um, but I just try to steer away from that because I think I think cider and wine although they're fermenting fruit are pretty different at the same mm. time the potential of cider is usually sort of 6 or 7% max whereas wine can go up to sort of 14% there's a lot of differences even mm. though they both are fruits and we try and match it more so with beer because it's a similar alcohol level we're using similar flavours 
we want it to be just as sessionable and approachable as beer, mm. if not more. Um, so we just sort of go about it our own way, yeah. Cool. And the branding? Yeah, the branding. Uh, it's pretty stand out. Like, I've never, we, not seen anything really. No, nah, correct. Like There's obviously a lot. And it has, the trend has been with wine labels in particular and then beer labels mm. recently to be really graphic heavy. And I've always sort of liked that, like lots of graphics and stuff going on. But I thought from a consumer's point of view, and I've done a bit of traveling around in Europe and America and that sort of stuff, whenever you go to a bottle shop, what stands out mm. to you? And just to me, I'm not saying it's to everyone, I look at a bottle shop and I get drawn to something that's simplistic, mm. minimalistic is the term for it. There's a couple of other brands that have just started doing minimalistic stuff, but we're pretty, we're sort of one of the first ones to do it, I guess. And um, so, yeah, we sort of wanted to shy away as much as we could from too many graphics. We wanted to keep it as simple as possible. If it's too obvious, then we don't say it. We only say the bare minimum sort of stuff. We probably should say I must be kept below four degrees Celsius a bit more, mm. but <laughs> given that it's preserved free and unpasteurized, but we just, with every step of the process, we try to keep it as natural and, and simple as possible. And then the black cans sort of suits our branding, mm. the funk as well being a bit sort of edgy and um, I guess sort of sharp in the contrast between the colours. What did your, uh, like, did you pitch this to your parents and stuff? Like, what were their initial reactions and thoughts behind the whole sort of stuff? Ah, uh, good question. <laughs> Typical, I guess, parents. My dad's a bit of an entrepreneur himself, but he's yeah, always, yeah. A, I guess, and probably rightly so, a little bit cautious to us saying you're going to get into something you don't have any business experience you haven't even worked in a business before my brother was only an accountant for nine months I'd uh, I was halfway through university so they're like you know you don't have much business experience are you sure this is what you want to do but we just wanted to give it a crack and we kept our overheads and our risk as low as possible to start with and we probably just timed it really well mm. with the juice and then timed the cider pretty well and made it work but what's the biggest challenge you've faced you know, building this brand and this company? Uh, we don't have any big investors. Uh, it's a very capital intensive business. So every time you want to upgrade, you get a big new stainless steel tank, stainless pumps, expensive filtration machines, blah, 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 expensive juicing machines. I guess a lot of breweries know that when they get into it. So they'll get a whole heap of people together with a lot of people from who have been working in sales reps or brewers from other successful breweries they'll come together this seems to be a typical model in WA get a heap of investors get a few million dollars behind them do it all right from the get go have the right brewers and the right sales team and that sort of stuff we were the complete opposite none of us had experience <laughs> obviously when you don't have experience and you don't really know there's a market because when we started craft side it was a pretty new thing you just can't really risk it I guess and spend all that money knowing yeah. that it might all fail so we did it as organically as possible and that's always hard trying to obviously be profitable at the same time grow at the same time it is very hard we've we sort of bootstrapped our way a little bit to start with picking up some secondhand gear and just sort of just a bit of an organic approach to how we grew but now it's like we got some some bank finance and that sort of stuff for a bit of plant equipment mm -hmm. but most of it's just organically funded and mm -hmm. and that is hard obviously from a finance point of view but from a product point of view no one's ever done an unpasteurised or preserved free side before, which has residual sweetness. So there is that chance that the product 
if not kept in the ideal conditions, if it's warm, stored yeah. hot, or whatever, it can kick off and referment again and have exploding cans. Yeah. We've had a couple of issues here and there with exploding cans. Well, and it's sort of just a never-ending education to the customers that we sell to and to the wholesalers yeah. that we sell to that our product has to be kept cold. Yeah, yeah. We want you to get it cold and store it cold so you have the best possible experience. Mm. And we don't want you for it to go warm or re-ferment potentially. We filter it pretty hard so it, it sort of gets rid of a lot of that risk. But mm. um, yeah, when we first started and we said we're going to be unpasteurized and preserve free, a few people said it's not possible, you can't do that with cider, especially right. if you want to have residual sweetness. Yeah, yeah. It's a no-go. So interesting. And you sort of just have to put that thought, because it does. it is a thought that comes up in my head every now and then, like, oh, are we going about this the right way? How are we going to scale? Mm. But we don't want to basically short, what's the word for it? devalue the product in any way to, to get it out further we want to keep mm. it at its highest possible yeah, yeah. format which we always believe is keeping it cold keeping it unpasteurized keeping it preserved free and all the rest and so we just have to deal with it and you mm. you deal with people saying you're doing it the wrong way and you deal with sometimes the product because it's so natural not quite being right mm. but yeah. obviously the quality of your product has been a huge uh, element to your success do you think without the branding, like say you did go for the super graphic or some, you know, crappy name or whatever, do you think it would have been as successful? Yeah, good question. I think they say that, I don't know if it was applied to our market, but that 94% of people, if they don't know something, will buy with their eyes mm. when they come to a supermarket or whatever it is. Right. Hopefully they pick our product because it looks cool mm. yeah um, <laughs> what was the bottle shop that we were in the other day in West Perth yeah there's like a um Gam- oh Jamie's that's Gam- the one I'll just walk shout out to Corey if that's you're listening it. in yeah. <laughs> so I was walking through and I saw a fridge and I, like this caught my eye straight away like all the funk ciders yeah. so yeah. I went straight to that like I, it's a huge bottle shop with everything in there everything this that the you don't thing. expect yeah, I feel yeah. like it's the bottle shop where you if you actually know like oh that was going through my mind if I was a mixologist or you mm. know a bartender that was hella into my mixes and my alcohol and my flavour and actually making it taste good not just you know people who buy passion pop yeah, no offence to them but <laughs> it's really it's really passion not you're not days. passionate about yeah shout yeah. out to passion pop <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. watch them that, like I hope they still make it just yeah. for uh, old time's sake yeah 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 <laughs> even though it did poison you yeah. I think I've seen it like probably a year ago that's oh, the last time never I saw it yeah. <laughs> if you, if you, whoever's listening in if you want to swap it out for something healthy we've got a passion eight which is oh, so i've tasted that actually much more natural <laughs> yeah super yummy and hopefully continues the party like passion exactly. eight, passion pop did as well. <laughs> it's definitely a vibe then <laughs> yeah oh, god that was a like, time <laughs> but yeah from a marketing perspective obviously you want it to look cool then, but we really want the product to shine mm. through at the end of the day and you have to get it in people's hands to start with they have to crack it open because they're interested in it mm. Yeah. But really, we care about what's actually in the product at the end of the day. That's the and biggest thing. having that flavour experience mm. that they've never had before. I think in, yeah. in the side game, at least. Yeah. Working in marketing, it's all about getting people to the product. But mm. sometimes you can come up with the best campaigns, the best creative, all the kind of stuff. But the product just doesn't really deliver what your campaigns yeah. are about. Well, so you need a good product correct. to match it. Like, Do pro- what you're saying. Probably not as much like five or ten years ago but in the past couple of years if yeah, the product yeah. doesn't stand up yeah. people see through the marketing bullshit yeah, and that sort of stuff and the fake stories and yeah. the fake brands and that whereas they never used to which is good 
yeah, yeah. And the local so. movement that sort of stuff going on at the moment is great yeah but you still to get those people that are drinking because it looks cool you still need to look cool for that aspect as well yeah. I find that with sparkling mm. wines I'm like I'm such a snob with like if it's not from France I probably won't like it but if I get a sparkling wine from my little you know subscription that I have and it's not it's not good as cool as the packaging is I will never order it again like as long as if the product's good oh I'm the yeah. same yep, yeah yep, yep. but that's only a limited part of the market, I'd say, who yeah. actually really do appreciate the product. It's growing. Yeah, yeah want true. to grow more and more, but there's yeah. a lot of people oh, yeah. that are drinking the cool factor as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Have you seen a boom since COVID in terms of, like, people coming through? Oh, massively. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Obviously, everyone's been locked in WA, mm. so... Yeah, that's good. They're not going to Bali and yeah, Europe yeah. and that sort of stuff, and they they're enjoying their local surrounds a bit more. It's probably got my cool. mom through COVID. Yes, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Yeah, cool. like she, she discovered it probably this year and she was like, like her fridge is stocked every weekend I go there. You want, you want a cider? You want a fun gin cider? <laughs> I've got to drive, man. This is 2.4 drinks. Like, yeah. I'll have two and go on. <laughs> yeah, it puts you right on the limit. I've got a breathalyzer. And <laughs> you haven't eaten any one thing. It's, like, well. it's a good socialising drink because then you have to stay longer. Yeah, <laughs> or you can share it to, to yeah, cut the alcohol yeah. no, down no. a bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not now, of course. <laughs> so I guess what's the future of funk? Like you've obviously discussed your past, the history, the challenges. What's the future? What do you want to do? <clears throat> what do you want to be? Great question. Uh, we just want to do more of the stuff that we enjoy and go more back to our original roots. Being farmers, we've sort of... My brother has a bit more to do with the farm than he used to at the moment. I'm sort of full-time here. We just want to do products and stuff and, and, and grow stuff on our farm that we can use in our in our products down here a lot more and sort of connect the two together. Mm. Connect the story and and I guess just, just try and experiment like we've never experimented before. Mm. The future of fun. Obviously, we specialise in cider at the moment. We do a little bit of beer, just more premium end stuff for our for our venues. What's the honey lager? Damn, that is good. Honey lager is good. Yeah, everything that we do, we just want to do it interesting. That's why we instead of just having a lager as a lager, we chuck a bit of honey in there for a bit of a twist. Blah blah mm. blah. If we do a cider, we'll throw gin in there or something to be mm. different. We want to play around with some because obviously the new place we got to a winery, so we have got some. Um, very old Shiraz vines there, 104 years old, which is pretty cool. And we've done in the past... That's your wine, isn't it, yeah, Shiraz? Yeah, yes. Past vintage, we did a rosé cider, which so it's like a half cider, half wine, which is pretty cool. And that was very popular. We want to obviously continue that and continue, I guess, what you call the hybrid cider thing. So half cider, half beer, half cider, half wine, blah, blah, blah. Half cider, half spirit. Just really completely push the boundaries of yeah. what an alcoholic mm. beverage can be and and when you can enjoy it and how it looks and yeah yeah and yeah that's the funnest part of the mm. part of the game for me trying new and interesting things i love going when you can i love going to america and checking out all the cideries and meaderies and breweries and stuff over there that's sort of like the forefront of the craft game so right yeah yeah always get a few little ideas and bits and pieces from here and there and i come back to australia and we try and brew something that's cool. Ahead of our time, I guess we yeah. we like to think it is, and then hopefully, it, hopefully it sells. Yeah, yeah. Craft side is such a new game. Craft beer obviously has been around in WA for say ten years mm. in, a, in a big sort of fashion. Craft side only for a couple of years, so we're still educating people 
as to what side it can be, and obviously that includes the sort of the sort of funky stuff, boundary yeah, yeah. pushing stuff that we do as well. But then we want to start marrying the different different beverages together as well, mm. which is yeah. the hybrid. So I think that's that was a bit you... of a convoluted answer, but no, that was <laughs> one if you had to time travel, let's say ten years in the past. Oh, that's pretty long, actually. Let's say five years in the past. Yep. What would you tell yourself? What advice would you give yourself? My advice would be just to focus on the stuff that we're the most specialised in being able to do, if that makes sense. Yep. Focus on our strengths. Try and sort of outsource logistics and that sort of stuff, which we don't have any sort of competitive advantage in. And just really focus on the stuff that we do have a competitive advantage in, which is having cool events and throwing good parties and, and making, you know, unique ciders and all the research and development and market research that goes behind that. And just doing our best to have fun with the brand. So, yeah, brand and, and product, really. Forget all the rest of it, mm. apart from obviously important stuff, making the numbers and all that sort of stuff stack up. Really just try and free yourself up to give as much thought energy as you can to making you your brand and your product as unique as possible yeah. we get that now but five years ago we didn't really we yeah. just sort of thought we didn't really know what we're doing to be honest let's just have a go and try a few different things cool so, so i guess what do the staff mean to you because that's a big thing that you know as young professionals in our own journeys staff are like you know the key of the company right so you can do as much as you can with the quality of product that you've got the branding that you've got and the team what about the team how does how do you value them oh teams the most important thing i guess without the right team nothing's going to get done because i can't do it all myself don't want to do it all myself and it'd be a silly allocation of my time trying to even do too much of the cider making and too much of the r&d and that you really want a good... And we've always had a pretty young culture and lots of sort of uni students and backpackers from all around the world, which makes it fun. There's always a bit of a story to tell outside of work mm. rather than just talking about work. Lots of country people that we know through family and friends. And that is sort of... I know your brand is something that you sort of look at, but behind that is all the passion and all the people involved and the people story. that get it out there and the people that are telling the stories. That's the most important thing really is your people if you don't have a good culture and a good work-life balance then staff are going to leave you they're going to go somewhere else which is more exciting or they're going to go chasing the big dollars or whatever it is um, it, it makes or breaks everyone